This podcast is brought to you in affiliation with Make My Trip. For special discounts for Indicast listeners on airfare, bus and hotel reservations, log on to makemytrip.theindicast.com. Back up please. Hello and welcome to the 44th episode of Busy Nation Dhando Takko Rokro Distika with my friend Abhishek. Hello everybody. It's become common to say yes and we are back after a long time and yeah. I, I I feel that for a change we should be able to say yes we are back and since we are back on time. Now far, that would be different. That would be different absolutely. We are we're far away from being on the schedule again and let's just get on with with the topics that we have. Uh, Lots of things have happened over the week and uh, you mailed me an interesting topic about how the government is trying to boost the economy through some of its subsidies which are not exactly subsidies but something else so help us with that what is the topic all about yeah we are going to talk about mostly about the public distribution system of the food grains concept of food coupons but you know since time immemorial we have been listening about how rajiv gandhi made the comment about only 15% of the total allocated money for poor in the budget actually reaches them right and things haven't changed much since then but now the upa government it might have gotten worse initiatives no i think that things have improved but nobody has gone into that statistics again but uh, yes yeah, so, so the upa government is now thinking about introducing food coupons which will be like a direct subsidy for poor so mm. like right now what happens is that you subsidize food for poor you sell them food grains at below market price in order to make it affordable to them right but instead of that the government will directly give food coupons to poor which they can go and redeem for food at the market price so in other words if i have the food coupon i can walk into a big bazaar and shop next hmm. to someone who's 10 times richer than you he'll buy the same thing at the market price at which you are buying so basically both of you will be purchasing at market price the only difference is he's paying from his pocket and you have been given the food yes. coupons by the government so the two yes. keywords are and direct subsidies and market price so no discounts he's yes. being given so is it a good thing in in a way yeah like because what happens in the case of subsidizing food you know we have seen in so many of the 70s movies especially starring amitabh bachchan the shopkeepers hold up cheap food <laughs> that they get from the government and then they go to the black market and sell them at high prices so right. that really doesn't reach the poor so now you directly give the food coupons in their hands so they go and buy whatever they want at the market price mm. but the next worry is that what if food coupons are sold by the poor which is bound to happen so professor kaushik basu he is the chief economic advisor of our finance ministry and he is a man actually behind the scheme mm-hmm. so he has proposed to make that selling legal so it's transparent and ultimately even if you are selling the food coupons then you are getting money in the exchange so it's like open source or it, it, in technology uh, an analogy we can draw there wherein you can you can do whatever yeah. it is that you want to with it so no illegality and nobody will put you behind bars but hopefully when they get the money they don't spend it on liquor and on things that will not feed them but kill them because that's what happens sometimes but this is a trade off that that's true but when i read this i had a question in my mind why not then give direct money in hands of people if mm-hmm. ultimately they can send that food coupons in exchange of money 
then why not just go and directly give money in their bank accounts? That's what most of the developed countries do, right? They give the unemployment benefits directly to the people. That's a good point. I think one reason could be I don't know if tax is part of it because no, here, but the the people who are given these food coupons, I'm sure they must not be falling under any tax back bracket because these are for people below the poverty line. Maybe it's accountability. Maybe it's accountability. The the pilferage probably. Yeah. And another aspect of this is that this cannot be implemented. Unless we start that unique identification number thing, you know. Oh boy, the, that's going to uh, take another hundred years. The, then <laughs> that process has to be in place before you go ahead and distribute it. But we right now we do have ration cards. If ration cards can be a good yeah. estimate of uh, who lives where, what people's ages are, because right now what happens, uh, you must have seen even uh, a place that is very close to our uh, house in Thane. Mm-hmm. There is a place mm-hmm. where people line up to buy food uh, against their ration card. Uh, buy food yeah. and LPG, etc. So ration card is like their identity, their driving license. So I think right. waiting for a national identity scheme, which has just been started a year and a half ago mm. uh, by Nanda Nilekani, it will take a long time. It's like social security number in the US. That's but I think right. the, uh, the bigger, bigger problem I feel is also about uh, the counterfeiting. That is, you would duplicate them. <laughs> That's always there. You know, but there's another point to this because the UPA government uh, is also coming out with its food security bill where they say that something like 35 kg of rice will be given to the people below the poverty line and they will be given at rupees 2 per kg. That bill has just come in the parliament and now Sonia Gandhi wants to make some changes to it so she has sent it back and then it will be passed as a bill if it mm-hmm. goes through the parliament. So it's actually opposite to this. So it's very confusing because the UP government's ministry which is talking about introducing food coupons and then on the same side they're talking about introducing the food security bill which is nothing but the public distribution system and subsidizing the food. No, I think it's two different ways of tackling the same problem and they might be doing this simultaneously because it's like the Keynesian view that a man is not fit enough to walk so you give him certain amount of plasma and saline and help boost his energy so help boost (laughs) the expenditure and aggregate demand in the country by doing as much as possible because you know the public distribution system in India is so bad Mm. that and we've read about this you know in in our economics there used to be disadvantages (laughs) exactly there used to be a question uh, answer the following 12 mark answer what are the pitfalls of the Indian public distribution system? And then one of them is that uh, 70 lakh tons of stocks are rotting mm. in the FCI, that is uh, Food Corporation of India. It's, they're rotting there because of lack of space. So what happens is the other option is, okay, if they are rotting, then sell them in the open market. At least it will help abridge the inflation of the common man that the common man is facing. But because of late decision making, there are about 10 lakh tons of food grains that would have easily fed one crore hungry people for one whole year. They have been damaged in the go downs. And forget subsidies. You can just give away those for free. But so that that's the state or the state of uh, PDS, public distribution system. So maybe she's trying to pull that one up also. Yes, that's true. And it's just not the food, but like the economic survey, which is like an advisory document to the finance ministry before it announces the budget. It had proposed that India should go away with indirect subsidies, not only in food, but in fertilizers and kerosene, diesel. So the government is also thinking about giving fertilizer coupons to farmers directly instead of the subsidy. And mm-hmm. if you if you see the figures that then in like 2009-2010 fiscal year, the food subsidy was estimated to be about rupees 60,000 crores. 
and the fertilizer subsidy around 70000 crore so mm. that's the amount of money we spend on these subsidies and yet it does not benefit to whom it's intended for absolutely and you know the subsidy means what you are enabling the farmer or that man mm. to buy something at much less than the market price yes but the kerosene you spoke about kerosene it is said that when it should have been sold at 11 rupees per liter it was being sold at 25 and mm. even the 25 rupee petrol or the kerosene was adulterated they would add something else like gasoline so it's defeating the purpose you're telling them go buy something at less than market rate even if you go there they'll sell you adulterated stuff so maybe it's a good way to empower that man to buy from the same source from where a common man also buys like people like you and me also buy so branded stuff same price at least you get something rather than getting something really bad yeah i am there are critics of the scheme like the in telegraph which is i think a kolkata based newspaper right. ashok mitra he had written a big article against these food coupons and he had given some counter arguments which i don't agree with but then they were like quite logical what he says is that if these food coupons are given directly to the farmers then there will be more demand of food at the market price so it will further push up the inflation so anyways then they will end up buying less food for that amount of money and if you start giving them food coupons according to the inflation so if tomorrow the inflation increases then you give them more worth of food coupons then you are actually subsidizing the people who are selling the food grains because you keep increasing your food coupons as per the market price keeps increasing aha uh-huh. very interesting but you know <laughs> this is this is this is based on an assumption that we do not have enough food grains to yes. feed the country and which is wrong exactly right. yes exactly we already have the supply to meet the demand but it's not reaching those people absolutely that's the thing about with this leftist kind of mindset you know you you have counter arguments which are very valid but that's not a solution and you don't have a solution so very true it makes for a very good debate but certain assumptions if they are wrong then they are wrong but he also assumes yeah. that you know the 70 lakh tons will each year keep rotting you cannot change the mindsets and the the supply chain so let's let's mm. keep that fair assumption and then move on so in that way his argument is fair he's right if the food grains do not reach and they still keep rotting then definitely we might have a problem on our hands where there are too many people and too much money vying for too few goods that's what inflation is that's what could happen if the pds that's why i think sonia gandhi the point that you mentioned she's trying to rev up the pds just so that the allocation of stock is proper and that it will not die in the godowns and just get to a few more people i'll give you a few numbers back in 2007 a study had revealed that over a 3 year period some 31586 crore i'm i'm reading these stats from the economic times uh, 31586 crore worth of wheat and rice meant for the poor was mm. siphoned off and sold in the open market illegally yes. and talking about villages i remember this uh, very interesting anecdote and it has got nothing to do with public distribution system but it's very interesting so i thought i'll just narrate it but mm-hmm. like yesterday we had gone for dinner and there was this hyderabadi couple there and the female's father is a politician so she knew a lot about the andhra politics and the telangana issue and all that so she was telling us what it is all about mm-hmm. and then she was talking about why chandrababu naidu was defeated in the elections so those who don't know chandrababu naidu is the ex chief minister of andhra pradesh and he was elected for two terms and then he was defeated and he was known like the guy who 
got IT to Hyderabad and he made it a tech city. And the main reason why they said that he lost is because he was very IT pro and he didn't care about the people in villages and the agriculture output was not that great and that's why, you know, he was defeated because of the villages. Mm-hmm. And so what she says is, what the actual reason for his defeat is that Andhra was facing a drought during that time and Chandrababu Naidu, he had some calcium deficiency. So he had these white patches on his face because of that. Uh-huh. And in the Andhra mythology or in folklore, whatever you call it, there is a story that if the king of the kingdom has white patches on his face, then the country will face drought. Oh. And the opposition took that point and they went to all the villages and completely played it up and they said that this is the reason why uh, Andhra is facing a drought because the chief minister has patches on his face. And Man. that's and she and she said that that's the interior story and that's the reason why he failed the election because most of the villagers did not vote for him because of the drought and miraculously as soon as the next government came the next season it trained pretty well in Andhra so that that was like oh really <laughs> so the people are that naive in villages and. You know, they are, what do you say in Hindi, Pula Bhala kind of people and any, the politicians use it to the hilt. Nothing can explain this behavior, but that's how it is in, in rural India and most of the places. There are so many, so many anecdotes where people have played up the superstition and got away with it. So good luck with the government because it's like the most difficult company is being run by our government. That's the whole country. It mm, is. Yes. So, and, and in this particular case, the target market is that poor bloke or farmer somewhere in Andhra Pradesh or in Vidharva who is being targeted and being given those or will be given those food coupons etc. So let's see how that goes whenever that is implemented. When is it? Is Has the date been out or is it just, a, just in proposal? No, mode? no, it's just, it's just in the proposal mode and how many decades it will be in the proposal mode, God knows. Because this was already implemented by Sri Lanka back in 1979. And been, oh, really? Yep. And it is said that uh, the basic foods there are made available to authorized shops at non-subsidized prices. So oh. this is this is being done in the, the Sri Lanka. And so there is one working model. It's not that it's an innovative concept, but the problem obviously is implementation as India is far bigger country and far diverse. And so let's see how that goes. Well, uh, okay, so let's move on to our next topic. I think we have talked a lot about food coupons. Next topic is about the Renault-Nissan deal with Daimler. And I think you have done a podcast with Business World where you talked about uh, Renault-Nissan's plan in India and all that stuff. So the Rajiv Dubey was the, the cover story writer for Business World and he had written a story on how Renault-Nissan and Carlos Ghosn, the CEO, is investing heavily mm-hmm. in Chennai which is apparently the, the Detroit of South Asia, where uh, they, they invested about 4,500 crores, that's close to a billion dollars, to get started in an emerging market, and they chose India for it. And uh, they've been doing quite a few things. Like you said, Daimler also has been invited in the alliance. Now, Nissan Renault is basically, the, it's there are two different companies. One is in France, and the other was in, one is in Japan. So, and they are not merged, or there is no acquisition. They have cross-share holdings like, Renault has a stake of 44% in Nissan and Nissan has 15% stake in Renault. And yeah. now they are inviting Daimler saying, let's do one thing. Let's get together without merging and without the hassles of shareholders and all that. And let's help each other 
in using similar technologies and not reinventing the wheel and all of it so quite a way to do business uh, unlike what daimler chrysler had done so one of the biggest failures in auto industry so this is another way that companies are getting together alliances the new word that's true in fact the benefit for daimler will be that it will get access to make better small cars uh, it has lost huge amounts of money on its smart a class and b class programs mm-hmm. and it has lost almost 7 billion pounds over the past decade so this will help them to go in the category of small cars yes and it's it's good to help each other during times when all the auto industry which includes toyota maruti also in india then you have honda everyone is busy uh, recalling cars then selling them so they're helping each other and in, even in this case uh, daimler will provide the engine daimler will provide them with the mercedes diesel engines and so this will help nissan's infinity range which is a high end car and mm. they are trying hard to establish themselves in europe with a diesel option so this will help them do that right in fact these alliances have worked pretty well uh, in the past i mean you know like you said there are skeptics and there there are skeptics in this case also but uh, statistics show that you know volkswagen sometime back it acquired some 19.9% stake in suzuki for 2.5 billion dollars and the reason was pretty simple they say that suzuki has got 54% stake in maruti suzuki india which is an emerging economy and it has got 40% market share in india so now in effect volkswagen has got access to the whole of indian community by just buying a small stake in suzuki without actually going and yes. buying it out and now everybody wants a pie of india and china because they are the main growth economies and remember when tata motors went and bought jaguar and land rover there was such a un cry in the european community because it was a company from developing country which was buying a big brand of the developed country but now it has become a norm and now recently geely which is a chinese company chinese automobile maker which we haven't even heard about or mm-hmm. not many would have heard about and it has gone ahead and bought volvo from ford it's very similar to companies like lenovo buying out ibm's pc business and there are so many other yes. consumer durables like uh, higher h a i r i don't know how that's pronounced in the consumer durable industry where it's making a big mark and competing against the lgs and the samsungs of the world so yes it's it's not a new trend now it's been happening for a while and the whole argument of an indian company buying out someone in luxembourg uh, and being a developing economy is preposterous now i don't think kritika people talk or or say that there i would have a difference of opinion with you because <laughs> yeah, I, i guess when it it was see when when tata motors did acquire Mm-hmm. there was a lot of pride and we have read about the political pressures that were being put right. but now slowly it is becoming a norm it might have been a heartburn at that time but now slowly it's changing even like now it just recently you know ratan tata had said that the brit mp should not give tata motors such a hard time oh, really <laughs> <laughs> yeah right i i think the wheels are turning slowly and steadily you know what the britishers did to us back 300 years ago for a long long time <laughs> yeah we are taking let's, revenge <laughs> let's at least let's at least create value while doing that that's what the, the, the indian yeah, is are doing yeah so now we have the english cricketers looking at ipl and saying when they'll take us instead of the other way around <laughs> absolutely nobody wants to talk about county cricket anymore exactly and coming back to the topic the fourth ceo alan mulle who had come in and joined ford in 2006 he has this strategy 
if uh, uh, divesting all the other brands other than the main food brands and had the strategy called as one food and this involves concentrating all the financial and managerial resources on reviving the main food brands and so all the acquired european brands like aston martin jaguar land rover and now volvo they are selling one by one so volvo mm. is the latest one i think it's the last one okay we hear about these chinese companies and a few of the indian companies come up with plans of uh, you know special purpose vehicle they'll float that will help them to acquire that foreign company etc would you have any dope on how gili the chinese company has done it yeah the chinese company usually have that big hand of the government over them which is <laughs> protecting them so uh, even though it's uh, gili is a privately owned chinese car maker but it could not have raised all the money it needed to buy volvo alone so mm. it has the support of the state owned banks and government investment funds so when the deal was being signed the minister of industry and technology of china was present there so that significant thing that's and true. and do you recall sometime back uh, there, there was there was one belgian family who had come down to india and we were taking them around the city for aditya's marriage they had just come down as guests and uh, the uncle there he, he was comparing an indian and a chinese uh, china i mean mm-hmm. doing business in china and he said that if an indian man gives you a bear hug you take him with both hands and uh, you you reciprocate that warmth but when a chinese man gives you a bear hug you you give him that hug and then you step back and think did he do it for a sly motive <laughs> and no i'm not being very, racist, very racist. <laughs> no i'm not being racist i'm just he's just saying and he laughed it out laughed it he just said that look unfortunately the way business is done in china is so different that some chinese entrepreneurs have to be that way because the government unfortunately has a say in almost everything so they have to be that yeah. sly on occasion so not being racist at all but that's that's the case there Yeah but if you really want to you know notice the difference between an Indian and Chinese while doing business then you should watch Russell Peters I'm sure you are a fan and you have but yeah. you ha- have you watched those when he you know he talks about how Indian and Chinese do business it's hilarious a stingy Indian wanting to buy uh an expensive <laughs> from a stingy china chinese <laughs> chinese seller so yeah that's that's quite a good yeah. conversation go, go go check it out on youtube so there's a free promotion for russell peters so yeah yeah and now he's coming to melbourne so we are looking forward to that uh, enjoy it. enjoy enjoy all the racist jokes that are turned out on on the indian subcontinent yeah <laughs> oh, well on that note uh, it's time to wrap it up for this episode of busy nation but uh, just before we log off uh, there is some news that uh, has uh, so called stunned the management community in the world because one of the greatest management thinkers ck pralhad the last evening passed away he was ill for a while and uh, and especially if you have done your mba then i'm sure you won't be a stranger to the name because he has written one of the most famous books called fortune at the bottom of the pyramid where he talks about how the true potential of the indian market lies in the bottommost section of the society which is truly unexploited and many of the fmcg companies like hindustan lever and png they had taken a note from that strategy and then they went to the rural areas etc to exploit the full potential of the market so that was one of his biggest contributions may his soul rest in peace like they say yes so well that's about it from this episode of uh, busy nation dando takko rogro please log on to theindicast.com and uh, leave your comments there you can follow us on facebook at indicast podcast network bye 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 bye